Tonight on the Twilight Zone podcast, I'm going to share with you the first of maybe two or three episodes documenting my trip to Binghamton, New York for Sailing Fest 2019. Now, obviously, a lot of this was recorded on the fly and not in the conditions where I would normally record a podcast. So there are a couple of sections where the quality is variable. For example, when I first get to Binghamton, I wanted to document that moment, but it's quite windy, so that does affect the quality. But bear with me, those clips are only short and things do improve. So it may happen occasionally throughout, but I would rather put them in and have that full narrative there than not include them at all. So that said, tonight I want you to join me on Flight 33 to Sailing Fest. But of course, the journey begins at the bus station. It is about quarter to five in the morning on the 2nd of October and I'm just round the corner from Liverpool bus station. I've just I've just took myself out of the way just to record an intro to this trip that I'm going to take. I'll tell you what my plans are in a second. There's just one thing I want to mention before I go though that over on the BBC website, the BBC Radio 4 Extra website there is a new audio documentary called You Are Entering Rod Sailing's The Twilight Zone and it's a documentary that I was asked to be a part of earlier in the year and I did it and you know you do these things and you're not really sure how much is going to get used or whether your part is going to be used at all Um, but it turned out really well you know I was actually used quite a lot in it and there's names like Carol Sailing, Anne Sailing and uh, Richard Donner in this so many famous Twilight Zone names and I got to be a part of it so check that out on the BBC Radio 4 Extra website I think it's streaming all the way through uh, October hopefully people in the US can check that out I'm not quite sure how that works but this is the beginning of my Sailing Fest 2019 journey and my plan is to kind of take you along for the ride as much as possible Now, I don't know exactly what's going to happen when I get there. I do know that I'm on a panel on day one um, called Talking Twilight Zone in the 21st Century. And then I will be doing the Twilight Zone podcast live where I interview uh, some of the authors who are there, which should be really good fun. So those two things, I think we should be safe and I will be able to record them. Uh, what else happens there? I don't know. I'm going to see what happens. I um, Obviously, I, I can't just sit and record whole panels and put them out on the podcast. And I wouldn't do that anyway. The whole point of going to an event like this is um, that it's a live event. And I can't really do that. But I might just record like, you know, 30 second clips just to give you a flavor. Uh, I would also like to hopefully speak to friends of the show while I'm there, get their thoughts on the event. I don't know. I will kind of roll with it uh, as I go uh, and see what happens. So my bus is due soon, so I'm going to leave it there. And the next time I speak to you, hopefully I'll be in Binghamton.
and you can't help but think of mirror image but I, I decided to do all my traveling on the second and it didn't even enter my head that because I had the option of I could fly into New York maybe spend the night in the city and then get the bus to Binghamton the next day but I thought I'll get all my traveling done get it all out the way on the one day and that's what I've done so that meant that I would be here in Binghamton on the 60th anniversary of the Twilight Zone. And I'm just trying to take it all in at the moment. When you when you first drive into town, the way the bus came in, it looks quite industrial. You know, you got rail tracks, you got um, industrial units, warehouse type things. And then you, you come here into town. I, I haven't even explored, but quite um, small in scale but I'm really just looking forward to having a walk around but right now I just need to get something to eat but I wanted to record this not just for the podcast but I guess for myself to kind of document first coming into town and just this very strange and surreal experience now I'm not going to talk about every little thing like hey I'm in the 7-Eleven you know but I'm, I'm not going to do that um, I think I'll only turn the recorder on for specific moments conversations with people but I just thought this was really worth documenting um, so I'm going to find something to eat and then find my bed for the night because I am so tired because I've got uh, an important appointment in the morning that I really don't want to be late for So we're here on the 3rd of October and you know one of the things that I definitely wanted to do if I ever made this crazy trip I never thought I'd do it but here we are uh, was to meet the man who 
who is sat next to me right now. He's, you know, when I'm doing the Twilight Zone podcast, I um, converse with people behind the scenes, and it might not necessarily be someone who you'll ever hear on the show, although this gentleman has sent emails in and stuff like that. Um, and his, his name is Tony, and we're doing something very special today that we'll talk about in a sec. But Tony, thanks so much for picking me up today and taking me to this place. Well, Tom, the, the pleasure is all mine, and it's really the least I can do for the, for the podcast that you do for the rest of us. We enjoy it very, very much. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. And you suggested to me when I mentioned that I was going to do this trip that maybe it would be nice to do... Uh, what we're doing today and we're actually going to pay our respects to Mr. Rod Sailing uh, in, in the best way we can by going to pay him a visit where he's resting right now um, at the cemetery and I didn't want to record at the cemetery I, I don't think that would be in, in very good taste but I did want to mark the occasion on, on this travelogue and it's it's somewhere you've been before isn't it Tony? Uh, yes I have I've, I've made the trip twice before with, uh, once with my wife and once by myself and uh, it is a, a, a beautiful place as you might expect some cemeteries to be but it was made extra special because there was a person there who uh, was an important part of my life uh, with the wonderful stories that he told like this whole trip it's it's a kind of surreal moment for me and but I think absolutely proper that this visit to Binghamton because I mean I got into town late yesterday and I didn't really do anything because I was so tired so this is really the start of this trip and I, and I can't think of any better way to begin it than, than going to pay our respects to Mr. Sailing so maybe we'll say a few words on the other side of that but right now we're almost there so we will pay our respects and Tony thank you again you know you will always be the man who took me to see Rod Sailing, so I thank you for that. Well, I thank you for allowing me to do it for you. Okay, so maybe we'll see you on the other side of this. Well, Tony and I didn't actually turn the recorder on again. We paid our respects to Mr. Sailing. I'll, I'll speak about that in a moment. And then we drove back to Binghamton and uh, put the world to rights. What a, what a wonderful man. And he really, you know, he's a very humble man. And he says that he was really just paying me back for what I've done with the podcast. But, you know, it was a, it was a genuine gift what he did for me today. He drove. I think about two and a half hours to get to Binghamton. Then it was another hour and a, hour and a half um, to Rod Serling's resting place. So, you know, what a great guy to do that for me. And I, I can't thank him enough. It was a once in a lifetime thing for me. If I ever get the chance to do it again, absolutely, I will do that. But uh, the likelihood is that won't be the case. Now, like I said, I didn't want to do something as... Um, inappropriate I suppose as stand by Rod Sailing's grave and turn on a podcast recording. I don't I don't think that would have been quite right to do that. But I do want to mark the occasion because wow, you know I mean you, you walk up to his grave and, and the first thing you notice is 
how humble it is. There is there's no airs and graces there. It's not a Hollywood grave. It's not a huge monument. And in this very beautiful little graveyard, it was torrential rain while we were there, pouring down. There are many, many graves there. In fact, most graves there, I would say, are more ornamental and decorative than this one is. This is a very humble plaque, very, very low to the ground. I'm, I'm sure there's pictures of it out there on the internet. And people have placed little mementos there, stones, uh, decorated stones and so on. I don't think I can really overstate this, how much that that moment really meant to me, to be honest. If you, a lot of people will, will understand this, especially if you don't live anywhere near Binghamton or, I mean, the thing is for me, I wasn't born where I shared the earth with Rod Sailing while he was alive. You know, we never looked up and saw the same moon. Unfortunately, he'd already passed by the time I was born. You know, the Twilight Zone meant a lot to me as a kid. And then I've spent the best part of the last 10 years talking about it, talking about Rod Sailing and his life and his work and getting to know a man who I will never meet. Like I've said in the past, whenever you see an interview with someone who knew Rod Sailing, the question always is, what was he like? Because we all want to be closer to him. We all want to know him more than we do. We can watch his speeches. We can watch his TV shows. We can watch his interviews. And, and we all wish we could have that time. So, yeah, whenever anyone's interviewed, they ask that question because we all want to get closer to him. But unfortunately, we can't. So to go and stand by his grave and know he is there resting and to stand next to him. All kinds of thoughts at that moment, you know, all kinds of thoughts. I'm on the other side of the globe. I'm not even in the place where the, the Twilight Zone was made. But then just to stand next to him, there is... I don't want to say there's an energy there because it sounds like I'm trying to say it's supernatural. or It's nothing like that, nothing at all. I think it is my own love and respect for the man and just to be as close as I will ever be to him was just it was just really monumental I wish I could come up with some sailing-esque poetic words for that but I think standing there I was almost lost for them and while we were there Tony and I another couple walked by and they shouted over to us hey, do you know where Rod Sailing's grave is? And we said, we're right here. And they came over and we all shook hands and we spoke for a moment about our love for the Twilight Zone. And he would talk about, you know, the marathons that him and his father watched. The, the, I forget the gentleman's name, him and his partner. And we had a nice little moment there, even in the torrential rain. And someone, someone else came to see him, and it was, uh, it was really quite lovely. So, I don't know. I could sit here and want to say so much, but find myself lacking in articulation at the moment when I sit and, and think of the moment. But what a moment it was. 
And I, I said to Tony, as we left, you know, we might have spent 20 minutes there, but it's, it's one of the most valuable 20 minutes I've ever spent. And I'm so glad that I got to do it. And I want to thank Tony sincerely for making that happen. Friday, October 4th, 2019. The Talking Twilight Zone in the 21st Century panel featuring Paul Gallagher, Shelley McKay Young, Wayne Gladstone, and me, Tom Elliott. All right, well, I guess we'll, uh, I guess we'll get started here. Uh, uh, Nick Parisi uh, contacted us uh, a little while ago about doing a uh, Talking Twilight Zone in the 21st Century uh, panel, the idea being that we could uh, talk about what it's like and what the impact of social media and the internet is, or what it's like, I guess, to sort of fan professionally, for want of a better term, uh, over Rod Serling and his works um, in 2019. I should mention at the outset that I, I think uh, uh, that uh, Serling would have been astounded to think that uh, anybody uh, would still be talking about the show uh, 60 years later, uh, even though they all strove to do quality work. Uh, almost any time you see any of the um, uh, interviews with the stars that were on the show, uh, they were just amazed at the longevity and so many other things. It was just a job, a job they did well of course, and they knew that Rod Serling did really good quality work, but the feeling was this was a job, you did it, and you moved on, and you did another job, and the idea that this would be a show that would live on in, in reruns for decades uh, I don't think was on anybody's mind. So, uh, And uh, social media has obviously had quite, a, quite an impact. So, Anyway, I'm joined today, I think uh, uh, you may have heard their names, but uh, my name is Paul Gallagher. I, I work on the... Um, I, the uh, Night Gallery Twitter page, uh, which uh, just had its ninth anniversary, <laughs> and um, also a uh, Facebook page and um, and a blog. Uh, so I'm, I'm mostly words, uh, but uh, for for uh, the spoken word, we have Tom Elliott here uh, from the UK, and um, Tom has uh, been doing this uh, for uh, about about as long as I have. Yeah, started in 2010. 2010. Okay. Yeah. And that, that, that 2010 is exactly when I set up the, uh, the uh, Night Gallery page. And um, Shelley Young uh, is with us. Uh, the, to the extent that there is a Twilight Zone fan base on uh, Facebook, uh, it is uh, uh, one of the reasons that it is, a, uh, is smoothly running uh, uh, <laughs> and growing uh, fan base of people is because of, uh, of this, uh, this lady right here. Uh, Shelly's the best. Shelly's our den mother, and she keeps things from getting out of control, and, and she does it all with a smile right. <laughs> and succeeds very, very well. So I'm really delighted that she could join us uh, today. And the nice thing is this works out well because of the fact that we have experience in different forms of social media. And um, anyway, so uh, I did want to ask my uh, uh, colleagues here, uh, what was it that first got you interested in... Rod Serling, Twilight Zone, his works. I know a lot of you from Facebook, so hello. <laughs> if we haven't met, come find me. 
Um, so what got me into Twilight Zone was actually my mother. Uh, my mother watched the show in its original run, and I was born in the 70s, so growing up, I saw it in reruns. Nobody owned it at that time, and uh, I, I probably saw many episodes before I actually realized what I was watching. And the only one that I can think back that sticks in my mind is uh, The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. I don't know what I was, I was probably eating a meal and watching and it just sucked me right in and I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing and how intense it was at that young age. And it wanted me to see, like I wanted to see more. And from then on, I, I became more of a fan and wanted to see more. I ended up buying the VHS cassettes and growing up, like that was a lot of money for me. <laughs> I had to use my uh, school job money to, to buy all those VHS cassettes and when I had them yes yeah and I had to I had to hunker down in my bedroom to watch I told everybody just leave me alone I need to watch these <laughs> yeah so uh, and my mom she I became more of a fan than she was but all throughout my life she watched the shows with me and actually she passed away recently so a little nod to her her favorite was mirror image so my favorite is time enough at last so very different but everybody's is always you know it doesn't matter which one we like the best you know everybody's got their own likes so i'm glad that she got me into it because i've met all so many nice people like it just it's brought everybody together face the facebook i think so it's been pretty good so well i've told this story many times on the podcast before so i do apologize if if there's any listeners here and, and i've said it before but um, the unfortunate thing about the Twilight Zone in England is it hasn't been on telly since I was a kid. Um, and even then, it was like on at two o'clock in the morning or something. It was really treated as filler, which is very unfortunate. So for whatever reason, I can't remember, I accidentally stumbled across it uh, at like two, across, uh, two o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I was probably sitting there half asleep watching the Twilight Zone. and. So it became the kind of thing where I would tape it. I would tape every episode that I could, and then I would wake up in the morning and play the episode, and it was almost like a different experience because it was quite dreamlike because I was half asleep all the time. And then, you know, I probably watched, you know, 20 or 30 episodes in those days because they didn't really pay much care to it. And then when I was older, it, it, you know, it left a mark, it left a, a seed in my brain. And when it came out on DVD, you, you remember that edition where you got the Twilight Zone Companion with the first season? Well, I got that one. Um, and I had them all sitting up on my shelf. And then once you watch it again as an adult and you realize there's so many more layers to this thing than you might have realized as a child, um, that's when it really just hooked me in and, and you know, uh, I, I just kind of took that experience as a child and then had a whole new experience as an adult. So that's kind of what got me into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the first one you saw? Well, Mirror Image is always very uh, prominent in my mind. So it was good coming into Binghamton to the Greyhound station and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I think it was probably Mirror Image that, that really left its mark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
mention. Uh, uh, for me, it was yeah, seeing reruns, uh, you know, as a child. Uh, and I remember the first one I ever saw was Five Characters in Search of an Exit, uh, which uh, you know I think is, as most of you know, the one with the uh, the major and the uh, and the clown and the hobo and the ballerina and the barrel. And um, it uh, it one of the reasons I re I would even remember it because I can't tell you the first episode I saw of a lot of other shows. But that one I can remember, and it was because it, it stood out. There was nothing else that looked like it. Um, and uh, and what's, what's interesting I found is that, and this goes to something you were just saying, Tom, that I find like, in my experience, the most diehard fans are the ones who, it's almost like you need to discover it as a child, mm. and then you grow to appreciate it as an adult. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's... Uh, uh, the number of people who say, you know, oh, the, the, you know, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet scared me so much. Living Doll, it scared me so much. Uh, you know, and, and now it doesn't but as much, but it still creeps me out a little bit. And, uh, uh, so uh, that, that I feel like is, is when, and it's funny though, it took time. And it, one of the reasons why I thought it was interesting that we're doing this kind of panel is because you're right. I mean, there was a time when, you know, as recently as you know, 10 or 15 years ago, uh, who were you going to talk to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they're, Especially they're, in England, right? No one had seen it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what um, What I was going to ask you guys uh, after that was, uh, what was the um, What was the reason that caused you to uh, get into social media? What What made you? I guess you could say, sort of step up your fandom <laughs> and uh, get into social media, and then if you can segue into uh, why you went with your particular because when you think about it there are many ways many apps many programs many things uh, but Shelly you're on Facebook and Tom obviously you're doing a podcast and so on I'm just curious what made you start I'm not sure exactly when Facebook started but um, I became a member of that main large uh, Twilight Zone group probably in 2007 and back then you know I sort of I stumbled across it. That was the thing because I was pretty new to Facebook. I wasn't sure what I was looking at really, so I was still learning. And uh, I, I came across the group, and at that time it was probably only maybe four or 500 people in it. And the, the core group of people who were talking became very close, um, very active in the group. And uh, I think at first I wasn't as involved I just sort of checked in every so often, said hi, and chimed in on a few posts. And as things went on, I realized, oh my gosh, this, this is my tribe of people. Like this, this is so amazing to be able to talk to people who understand my love of the show. Like I'm not like an expert. I don't know all the ins and outs, but I, I enjoy it so much. And it's so nice to talk to people who understand that, who I can say, oh, you know what? I really didn't like this part of that. Oh, okay. I I love that part, but I hated this. You know, like they, and we all have different likes. We all have different ones we we don't like, but we all still come together. So that's that's good. But uh, yeah, so I've been a part of this group for now for twelve years. Um, throughout my time in the group, um, because I was spending more and more time, I approached the members to ask and see if you know they would be behind me becoming a, an admin in the group because the two fellows who run it, Kelby and Mike, um, they are not active. They created the group, 
they are not active in the group. They probably read the posts, but they don't participate in conversations. They'll chime in if you tag them on something, if there's a problem. And that's not, they don't always participate if there's a problem. And that's where I came in, because I was seeing a lot of arguments, a lot of uh, people being rude to each other, and trolls, and people who are just, you know, there to cause problems. And it was becoming very frustrating. The more and more people that were joining, it just made it more difficult. And uh, I mean, politics aside, things are, you know, people are going to discuss things and who am I to say, no, you can't talk about that, but it was becoming worse. So I asked them if I could join, be a, an admin. And they said it was fine, I could join. I was really happy about that. And they allowed me to run with it. They said, you know, do what you want to do. and. They were happy, like it was a trial period for maybe a couple of weeks, but they they saw that I I had good intentions, I think, and they they approved what I was doing, so it was nice. And I've I've tried to keep it fresh. It's hard to do for a show that's 60 years old, but I mean, people. It's not always just about Twilight Zone. It's about maybe this actor who was in Twilight Zone has done this, you know. So they'll share pictures, they'll show st stories. Um, I don't know, some things maybe they're a little, maybe that shouldn't be here, but that's where I come in and I sort of say, okay, no, yes, no, yes. Like um, when the new show started, the, the new series, it became like a big deal because people had opinions, they hadn't seen it yet. And that's another whole other realm of problems that that created because they didn't want it to take over the new, like the new show to take over the classic, like, that was important to the main members of the group. And I've tried to always encourage like all reboots, all Twilight Zones, like we're not excluding anything here, including Rod Serling and his works. So what I had to do, I had to change the format. I had to change it so you couldn't just post, you had to have approval first. And then I had to gear those new show posts to one in particular. So every week we had a new one. So, but. Do you have a list? I'm wondering when, when people join, do they have to answer any questions? Or? There are some questions. Okay. Because I've been with it for a long time, and so I don't know if the, that's changed. Yeah. The, we asked to make sure that, are you here for Twilight Zone or Twilight? Because <laughs> you, you wouldn't believe how many people think that this group is for Twilight. You know, we're not about the sparkly vampires. I'm sorry. You know, if you're here for that, you're in the wrong place. And I try to direct them elsewhere. But, uh, right. yeah. We just, it's, it's just a method of trying to help us sort out the, the people who shouldn't be there. Yeah, one of the, re one of the reasons I asked that was, a, you know, uh, another group that I'm, and I really forget which one it was, but it's for some other vintage show. And they said, uh, had a post recently where they said, uh, okay, we're now going to ask people questions to make sure they're actually fans of the show. Uh, you know, because we just have too many trolls and too many people coming in. And so that, that's why I was wondering. That's another you know. Like yeah. Out of 41,000 members, which we now have in the 12 years that I've been a member, I, I couldn't even tell you how many people are actually active in the group, who actually contribute to the group, and how many people are actually still a member. Like, right. they actually come back to check on things. Like, I don't know how many of those numbers are actually official, you know, but they're... It's nice, though. That's the main group. That's the one where everybody goes. We, we all shared our information there. So it's really changed my life for sure and <laughs> so. it seems like there's because there's a number right? there's the one that's just called the twilight zone then there's a twilight zone fan group then there, there's so many different ones and i remember asking you a long time ago i was like why don't we just put these all under one umbrella and 
but I have wanted to do that for a long time to you know merge them all together and unfortunately because I have a sort of no politics policy in the group unless it pertains to an episode um, it, it's just too hard because other groups they want to discuss it they want to have the arguments they want to debate and that's okay but then, you know, so-and-so over here will say, okay, well, I think I want to have my own group because I want to run it. And, you know, so what I've done instead is I've joined some on my own. I've, I've become an administrator, a moderator. I think I have 12 now, sort of, that I sort of take, you know, care of or else I, if I find out something in this group, oh, hey, I share it, share it, share it, share it, share it, share it. The only one that's mine is the Canadian group because I'm from Canada, so. The other ones have sort of fallen into my lap for people the admins didn't want to take care of it anymore or else I've joined their team. So I don't know how many there are, but I'm probably within 12 of them. Okay. Yeah. Well. And one Rod Serling group. All right. That was actually started as the boy who loved Rod Serling. Yeah. It's now been taken over as the girl who loved Rod oh, Serling. See, okay. see it, it fell into my lap. Right. So, yeah. So. I got you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. What was the question? <laughs> the question, <laughs> what, uh, what made you uh, decide to uh, use social media mm -hmm. in general to, to fan and why in particular? Like I was curious, I'd be curious why, you know, Shelley got involved with Facebook. Okay. You decided to podcast when yeah. you could have done any number of things. But well, I mean, I, I can't write, you know, I can write, but I can't write. So, um, I mean, podcasting was kind of, we're talking 2010, it was a bit like the Wild West, there was a lot of stuff going on. And I just wanted to try it, and I just thought of it very simply, you know what, I'm going to watch an episode of The Twilight Zone, I'm going to turn on the microphone, and I'm going to be like, you know, this episode was great, I really liked this episode, blah, blah, yeah, and just keep it really kind of simple like that. But the thing is, as we all know here, you can't really just watch The Twilight Zone on that level. You watch it and you, once you start digging into things a little bit behind the scenes, I just became bewitched by it. And as time went on, it just became more and more something that I just fell in love with. So I really love the kind of midnight radio vibe. You know, you're, you're up in the middle of the night, you turn on the radio and it's quite an intimate thing. It's just you and the DJ just, uh, it's almost like they're speaking directly to you. And it's something that I, I wanted to try and emulate. I don't think I really did it well at first, but hopefully it's got better over time because I, I think it fits in with, with my view of the Twilight Zone as it was always a nighttime show for me. I watched it at night. So, I think especially with my voice, there's not much else I can really do with that. So um, I wanted this kind of midnight radio vibe to it. And, and that's hopefully what I've achieved over the years. So I just enjoy it. It gives me a chance to be a bit creative. And, you know, some of the episodes I've done looking at like Rod Sailing's Planet of the Apes, where I can really just let loose and try different things out. Um, it, you know, that, that's kind of why... I chose podcasting. You had a, a, a period of time there where you kind of stepped away and then uh -huh. came back. I just I didn't know what, what led to, I was just curious, what kind of yeah. brought you back and? Well, I was, um, I was just super busy at the time, you know, and like, you know, I, I guess I was having a, a kind of walking distance moment where I was, I was looking back and thinking, what, what am I doing with my life? So I, I had a complete change of career. A lot of things changed. <laughs> 
and I just didn't have the time to devote to it. Luckily, someone stepped in for like, um, uh, like I don't know, maybe 10 episodes or something, a gentleman by the name of Luke, and I kind of, we talk about them as, they're like the videotaped episodes, you know, from, <laughs> from season two. No disrespect to Luke, he, he did a great job, but yeah, I just didn't have the time to do it at the time. Right. Well, well, one of the things I love, before I mentioned how I got into it, was that uh, 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 why I enjoy doing this so much with Shelley and Tom is that I feel like both of them do what they do so well. Uh, I would feel like if I was an admin for a Facebook group, I would not be nearly as nice and pleasant as Shelley is. Uh, so I don't know how she does it. And and Tom has such a great uh, approach uh, with with his podcast. I, um, uh, I lo- and it's funny you saying that about the midnight radio, because one of the things I, because I, I, I listen to a lot of other podcasts and you get used to people not only on podcasts, but on media in general, just talking very quickly and everything's very urgent. And then it's like, here at the Twilight Zone podcast. It's very soothing. It feels like therapy. It really does, you know. It does. It's such a nice change of pace. And I love the fact that he goes over it so uh, thoroughly and prepares so well. And if, if I, if I, if I, yeah, that's the way I would do my podcast. <laughs> and, and it's why if I do one, I'm going to have to do something completely different. So uh, for me, um, uh, what's interesting about the fact that uh, that I'm doing this here nine, nine years later is that it was a completely impulse decision. Mm-hmm. I, and this kind of goes into what we're talking about, how, with, how social media has really transformed it because at the time I, I was getting into uh, not only Twilight Zone, but Night Gallery, which was a challenge to do there for a while and still not real easy today. Um, and, um, but uh, I had joined a, a, a Night Gallery uh, like Yahoo email group. That was about the best you could do, okay? So I was part of that. So this would have been 09 or something like that. And uh, what made it worse was they had all gotten to the point where they had talked about everything they could possibly think of when it came to Night Gallery. So they were all into talking about related things like Boris Karloff's Thriller series, which is great, but that's not really what I was tuning in for. So at some point, somebody said something like, um, you know, the... Night Gallery was like half released on DVD at that point, and uh, they were wondering if it would ever come out. And they're like, well, you know, what do we expect? Nobody reruns it anymore. You know, this, this thing's going to be forgotten. You know, kids today don't know anything about Night Gallery. And I was like, going to go t- make a Twitter page. That's right. This new Twitter thing, you know, which was still pretty new at the time. You know, now, now obviously Twitter's very well known and has this reputation for being this septic playground for, uh, <laughs> for people who probably ought to be in straitjackets. But, uh, but at the time, it was still a very new thing. And I just thought, well, fine, I'm just going to create. And that's one of the reasons why my username, it's the only reason, what am I saying, it, uh, is uh, just the Night Gallery. Because I, I, for about the first three months, all I did, I thought, well, everybody knows about Twilight Zone. I'll just talk about Night Gallery and kind of raise awareness, you know. But let's face it, I mean, you know, with Rod Serling's works, I mean, the more you get into him, there's just so much to talk about. And so I just broadened it out until I was tweeting during Twilight Zone marathons on sci-fi, and, uh, and uh, it just kept growing. Um, and uh, for me, there was one moment in particular that uh, really stuck out. I don't know. And, and Tom, if you can, I don't know if there was, you know, because one of the things that's true, and you guys, please uh, uh, chime in if, if uh, you've had this experience. Uh, when you start out, you really kind of have to be dedicated if you're going to do it. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't set up shop and all of a sudden people are listening 
or people are reading or people are retweeting you. Uh, it, early on, it's very lonely. And it was funny. I had to laugh a little bit when you said something about Twilight versus Twilight Zone because I was initially being followed by art galleries, <laughs> horror pages, which kind of makes sense, and Twilight pages. Uh, uh, because it was just like, you know, who knows what the heck I was talking about. And, it, and really, I had to kind of stick with it, keep going, keep going. And then during those marathons, that's when people would start tuning in. And um, there was one time, I think it was in 2012, um, when uh, I tagged Ron Howard because we were talking about walking distance and how his appearance on there, he has a very brief appearance even before he was on Andy Griffith. And I was saying to somebody in a reply, I said, yeah, this is one of Ron, real Ron Howard's earliest TV appearances. And he retweeted it. And this was just before uh, the July 4th marathon. And all of a sudden, I noticed my notifications just going I had no idea that this had happened. And that was the point at which it was like, it was like impossible to follow back everybody who followed me because it was just coming in, you know, too quickly, which was great. I mean, it really was. I mean, it's a testament to, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way about this. There's such a richness to the material that Serling and his collaborators put together that you would think after nine years that I would run out of things to, <laughs> to, to tweet about and to blog about. But if anything, uh, the, the, the more I get into it, the more layers there are. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, what would you say? And I guess we kind of touched on this a little bit. I was going to ask you guys, um, what, was the, um, what would you say are the upsides to, to, to doing social media? And then, of course, you know, I'll get into the downsides. So if you want to go right into that, feel free. But I just want to talk about the upsides first. Um, sorry, Tom. <laughs> um, for me, I guess the upside uh, was at first when I joined was finding people who were like-minded that liked the show that enjoyed the show and then it, it morphed into the more people that joined it, it it just took on a life of its own and we made friends in the group you know the regulars that we, we call ourselves a family and it, it's true you know like we we talk to each other outside of Twilight Zone now like and a lot of us are here like how many people are here from from Facebook Okay, yeah, so, um, I mean, I've been in Binghamton for the last three, four years for these events, and, you know, it's, it's been so nice to call it a community, basically. It's a family, and that it, it's been nice to have us all, ooh, together. <laughs> um, Twilight Zone moment here. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the upsides. The upsides also is uh, sharing of information, because way back when, I had no idea that there was a Twilight Zone 50th event, you know, I don't know how many people attended back then, but this, you know, being the 60th, we've been promoting, 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 and I mean, a lot of people wouldn't know about it if we didn't have that. So, I mean, I, I, I think that the word gets out a lot further than it ever did before. Um, that's the upside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you sure you want me to go in the downside? Oh, please, go right ahead. <laughs> now, the downside, um, like I said before, like people, uh, they join the, the group to troll, uh, they cause problems sometimes. They're just there to be a S disturber. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, for me being a, just a regular member at the beginning, I saw a lot of that. And that's why I asked to become the admin to help 
take out the trash sort of thing you know like I don't know how else to say it uh, politely and since <laughs> stuff can happen any time of the night or day you yeah. must feel like you're on call for a long time, time it was only me only me only me and the more the group grew I actually uh, had a, a few extra people join in to help me moderate and take care of the group and actually in fact Gene Wilson is here I don't know if he wants to wave hi that that's Gene he helps me run the group and uh, there's two other fellows as well that yeah so it's a team of five of us now that are sort of on board yeah because like if anything goes wrong you know you see somebody do something really out of line you know even I've been like you know messaging Shelly <laughs> Yeah, more than once. <laughs> and if I'm not available, if I'm busy, you know, I'll say, Gene, can yeah. you uh, take care of this, please? Yeah, so, but um, again, back to, I don't want to turn it into politics, but politics has done nothing but cause a lot of stress. It, it, it makes the people get very upset. And I, I don't want to tell anybody you can't say your piece here. Like, it's hard to, to have people want to debate and keep it nice. They don't do that. Unfortunately, people get heated, people get angry, they want to leave, and that is a no-no for me. If you're here, you're part of our family, you're not going anywhere, and I will come after you if you leave, and I will say, what happened? You know, what can I do? What happened? Is there somebody bullying you? Or, you know, anything like that, you know? And I've, I've kicked people out on the spot because they're being mean, or, I don't know, there was actually, recently, I don't know, um, I forget the gentleman's name, but he was there to sell stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. He was selling something, and that's okay. We allow that as long as you know it's. Was it was it something Twilight Zone like related? A oh, okay. A bobblehead, and uh, you know, one of our members was interested in purchasing, and I mean, there was uh, several names I think that chimed in that wanted it, and then they paid the money, and the person disappeared, was gone, took their money. And that is unacceptable. So that guy was thrown out on his ear. He's gone. And I'm going to look through all the groups to make sure that he's blocked from every single one of them. Because he was sent that's to the cornfield. Cool. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's not cool. That That's not happening in any of the groups that I run. Not at all. So that's one of the downsides. Um, I think the biggest upside for me is that, you know, once it did get going and once... The listenership started to come in and the contact from people who listen to the podcast started to come in people you know people say to me I've been going through a rough time and your podcast really helped me out or your podcast has become part of my Twilight Zone experience I watch the show and I listen to your podcast and you know what an honor what an honor that is because I'm sta I stand on the shoulders of people like Martin Grams Jr., Mark Zickry, Arlen Schumer over there, the people who have put in this research uh, and written these books and, you know, that I'm always referring to. And then I try and kind of repackage it in my own way and, and create my own experience. And for people to say that this is part of the Twilight Zone for me now, I mean, it doesn't really get any better than that. And, you know... I can't really thank people enough when they do that. So that is a major upside, the, the fact that people treat it as part of the, the whole experience. You know, I won't dwell on downsides much, but like Shelley said, unfortunately, the world we live in at the moment, things people say, things I've said in the podcast, and, and 
you get accused of taking a particular political side or whatever and that's just not what it is about you know the, the show is about the twilight zone if it crosses paths with any of these things well i'm sorry rod sailing had his views on things and and i always say that if if rod sailing had a point of view and i sort of relay that point of view on the show then that's coming from rod sailing that's not me putting my own political stamp on things so it's an unfortunate aspect i think of the of the modern world that it's it's really infiltrated things but you know what the the good far outweighs the bad and that the people who get it the people who enjoy it and the people who come to me with kind of love and, and respect um far outnumber the bad ones so you know uh, let, let's not dwell too much on the bad <laughs> no 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 definitely not and, and i was going to say i would echo a lot of of what you guys are saying uh for me uh the upside has definitely been um uh, really helping to bring so many people together uh because it's not uncommon even now to see people who will say uh, i thought i was the only one you know i i, I you know they'll, they'll they'll i'll see a tweet that says oh here's a twilight zone does anybody still watch the show you know they're like a, a, a rerun will come up on sci-fi or uh, metv or something like that and does anybody still watch this? Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> and I'm about to introduce you to about 30,000 of them who follow my uh, Twitter page. So uh, it's uh, so that is, uh, I would say, and, and getting a chance to hear so many, uh, have so many different discussions with people about things and learning just how many different ways there are to look at these episodes. Um, I, uh, right. You see some things you missed, and uh, I love trading theories. Like, for example, uh, is everybody familiar with the season four episode, The New Exhibit? Okay. I figured I'd get some head nods there. Uh, well, uh, uh, for me, uh, when I watched that, I was like, oh, well, obviously, uh, Martin is the killer. He imagined all this. And I, as far as I was concerned, that was this, oh, no. I actually ran a poll one time because I was starting to hear from people who said, oh, no, no, the, uh, Martin was... He was the patsy. He was the fall guy. The wax figures came alive and did it. And it was one of those things where you think about it and you're like, I guess it could have been. I. <laughs> we did a little poll and it wound up being like, I think two thirds said the wax figures did it. Okay, the wax figures did it. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to be able to do that and sort of like take a, a fresh look at a lot of the episodes. And the other thing I would get a kick out of, and maybe you guys encountered this as well, uh, is seeing, uh, I don't think, you know, with an anthology of course, you get so many different types of stories. Uh, and we all know, oh, there are some classics of the Twilight Zone and there are some acknowledged dogs. Well, I found there is not a single classic that does not have at least a few people who hate it. And there are, there is not a single dog on the Twilight Zone that does not have some passionate defenders. Uh, one of my favorites is when something comes up about the bewitching pool. There you go. Thank you. That is exactly. And I will see side by side in my replies. I love this episode. I hate this episode. This episode's great. This episode sucks. Uh, it's just, it's so amazing to see just the difference. Uh, another example, and I think this might have been somebody from the UK, Tom. I'm not sure. Uh, but there was, uh, I think so, because he was talking about how difficult it was to watch The Twilight Zone over there. And I think he was going through it on DVD. And... Uh, he, uh, I don't know if he had ever seen the show or if this was the first rewatch in a long time. And he, uh, he said, oh, he was about halfway through season two. And he said, uh, oh, how great the show was. And he says, I finally just hit my first clunker, actually. 
I said, oh, which episode? The Invaders. <laughs> really? Apologize on behalf. <laughs> now he's not the only one who's ever criticized it, but the point is, it's just funny. I would have thought. Now think about that. That means he went past the mighty Casey, uh, Mr. Beavis, uh, a thing about machines. Uh, you know, all of which may have their upsides, but uh, and then finally, no, and the Invaders was the clunker. Anyway, so. Uh, so that that's definitely uh, I would say the upside is, is getting to and and the downside uh, it's funny I don't uh, the, the the politics sometimes does come up uh, usually I just ignore those you know uh, it, for me it's uh, sometimes you run into people and I imagine who uh, most people are great you know uh, terrific really nice people that are, are terrific and then there are uh, some people who are just the opposite of that yeah. have a the, yeah they have a very a, an interesting kind of entitlement mentality uh, I can give an example there was and this was several years ago one of the things that I I always do is I always tweet about uh, if it's the anniversary of a particular episode like today I put up something about steel it's the anniversary of steel in 1963 um, so I'll put up something about the uh, so I used to when it was that day it's big. okay <laughs> It's Wait. like 4 o'clock. <laughs> this is I know. Wayne Gladstone, everybody. Hi, how are you? Wayne is with the, uh, the, intangible po- uh, the Intangible Quarter podcast. Uh, me, uh, I'll just finish my point real quick and then, and then bring Wayne in here. Uh, just, uh, so, um, anyway, so what I would what I always do, I would devote that day to whatever that episode was. Here's the anniversary tweet. Here's a quote. Here's a fact. So throughout the day, it became just about that episode. Okay. There's this one guy who contacted me one time, and he was saying how what I needed to do was make sure that my anniversary tweet was the last tweet of the day. Why? Because when he got home and checked Twitter at the end of the day, that way it would be at the top, (laughs) not at the bottom. Oh sure. Is there anything else I can do for you? I don't. <laughs> so it it got a little heated, and I think I'm blocked to this day. So he didn't like he didn't like the fact that I was like, uh, well, there are other people who use Twitter in other ways. So uh, so uh, and the only other uh, upside or excuse me downside that I would mention uh, is uh, it can be more work than you thought, and I'm sure you both uh, it it. Uh, Let's face it, you could be the biggest fan in the world, and I, I think I can call myself at least somewhere close to that, and you don't necessarily feel like talking about it 365. Uh, and if an anniversary comes up and you're sick, well, I mean, I guess you can bag it, mm-hmm. but I'm not the type to do that. <laughs> I'll just carry on regardless. So, uh, yeah, it can be more work, and it's not. You can think, sit down and be like, yeah, I've got 10 minutes. Let me go ahead and line up a few uh, tweets. And then suddenly it's 45 minutes later, you know. Oh, that, that makes sense. It's, I mean, after all, I'm getting such a great salary for this. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, Wayne. <laughs> I'm not late. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm, I'm early, but I'm apologizing for, I guess, it starting early. How long you guys been doing this? Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so you can have the last 15 minutes. <laughs> All right. 
uh, I, I don't know if you wanted to uh, to chime in. One of the things that uh, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier was uh, what got you into um, Rod Serling's work and what made you decide to launch a podcast to fan over it? Um, I mean, I saw the Twilight Zone probably when I was five. Uh, yeah, uh, deeply, uh, and I think it was five characters in search of an exit, which is one of my favorites to this day, if not my favorite. Uh, and I was very surprised to find out that so many people hate it. They really, really hate that episode, and they view it, I think those are the fans who view it, who like Twilight Zone, I mean, Twilight Zone's famous for the big twist ending, but there are some fans who really only like it for that, which are sort of my least favorite episodes, because I can't enjoy it the same way each time. I like the kinds that burn a little more slowly, and so those fans, I think, tend to view that episode very literally and they watch the whole episode looking for the twist and like the twist is that they're dolls BS damn it and I'm like that's not it doesn't matter what they are the point is that every question that surrounds their existence we could ask ourselves who are we where are we from how long are we here what is the point of this and on some level I got that even as a small child not because I was a genius, but because of the genius of the Twilight Zone. There's something about it that connects on a visceral level. And it never left me. And so when I wanted to just really learn about podcasting, I was like, what do I want to talk about every week? I didn't expect to make a ton of money. I didn't expect to have a ton of listeners. I just wanted to force myself to become more of a student of it and get to meet people who shared that passion, which is what I got to do. I got to meet you and, and join the club and uh, interview Ann Serling and uh, Mark DeWidziak and Nick Parisi. And uh, that's been the reward. Just, just that was the reason, just to speak to other people who shared that passion. Yeah. Did you, uh, uh, one of the things maybe uh, that I'll, uh, and I can start with you since it was uh, something that you had uh, suggested, uh, that the, uh, you had asked about the, um, the role of uh, social media and how that had, when I let you characterize the, uh... okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, you know, when, when Nick pitched this, he's like talking zone in the 21st century. And I thought, well, what does that mean? What's changed? Because we always think of Twilight Zone as being universal and, and lasting, you know, is as vibrant in 1960 as it is today. And that's true. But what's different, I think, is that uh, I learned it in syndication. So it's not of my generation, just like All in the Family and MASH and The Odd Couple weren't my generation, The Honeymooners, but I learned them because we had TV and that's what they showed. Kids today don't see it in that way, even with the sci-fi marathon, which they do or they don't do, it's not the same. So it's not forced upon them. So in some ways, fewer people know it. But on the other hand, those who do know it now have like Netflix or Hulu and they can get the whole catalog at their disposal, well, at their disposal, and everyone who shares that passion can find each other the way we did. So it's a smaller, but I find a more intense group and a greater camaraderie. And so, you know, pros and cons. And uh, look, I mean, I got to speak to people and meet people and talk to people because of the internet and because of the Twilight Zone that I, that I would have never 
never met before. So that's been the, the difference for me. Yeah. Did you guys want to chime in on that? Actually, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned about how you can just get Netflix or Hulu and things like that. As, as, as a Canadian, that's not possible. Unfortunately, it's not on Netflix and it's, it's not available on Hulu. There is or there was some episodes that were available online and uh, during Zone Fest in our group, um, we were referring to those because we were watching along and talking and chatting about the episode, but now a lot of those episodes are not available anymore. So I, I feel bad for the people who don't have the series anymore because you know, they can't watch it along long, online, especially Canadian members. Um, but yeah, it would be nice if we were able to access that. I guess Canadian and American Netflix are different. So, yeah. Is that all Trudeau's fault? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but yeah. It's so. also not in Australia, too. I have people who follow me on Twitter, on my Twitter account, and in Canada and Australia, and they, they bemoan that fact. Because yeah. it's hard to tell someone they should go out and buy a box set when they haven't seen it yet, you know? Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. That, that raises another thing. Like, my Canadian group started out very, very small. But it has become, you know, every time I see, oh, Canada, get that guy. I'm going to tell him about yeah, yeah. that group, you know. I, I think we're up to 120 members now. So, I mean, Canada is a big country. I'm sure there are more. <laughs> well, they'll, I'll find them eventually, I hope. <laughs> or maybe they'll find me. I don't know. So yeah. we're working on that. So yeah. I, I'd like to have more of a Canadian contingent. So maybe we can have a gathering like this in Toronto or one of the major yeah. cities like Montreal or whatever. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So. I hope someday. <laughs> Did you watch that? No, no. Okay. No, the only thing I was going to mention was uh, when, when you first mentioned that question when we were uh, talking about this a little bit ahead of time was that um, uh, sometimes, uh, because I, I, I try with a lot of my uh, tweets and I have for a while now, ever since they gave us extra room, it used to be 140 characters. Uh, and, and so I, was, I really had to be very compact uh, in what I had to say. And, and then we got twice that, so that gave me the room to say this episode is available on Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon Prime, DVD, and so forth. And, um, uh, I, but I'm always making a big deal about its availability on, on, on streaming. For example, Night Gallery, uh, for a long time, was streaming on, uh, on Hulu. And then they, they took it off. And I, you know, I was crabbing about it. And, uh, you know, there were some fans of it that were like, well, what, what are you basically saying? What's the big deal? You've got it on DVD. I'm like, you don't understand. I want this show to survive. Right. Okay. I mean, I've had colleagues see me putting a DVD, a, a, a Netflix DVD in the mail and be like, does anybody still have a DVD player? Uh, you know, I mean, for a lot of people, if it's, it's, if it's not convenient, it's dead. I wish that wasn't the case. I love the discs, but convenience is king. And if it's not something that they can just go click, click and find, the chances of them going to the trouble of finding it are low. So that's one of the reasons why I'm like, you gotta keep going. Yeah. Only one other thing I wanted to add. So I was, I was a Twilight Zone fan literally since I was seven, you know, five, six, seven, eight. Um, and I watched every chance I got, and, I, and it was on all the time in syndication, sometimes in the day, sometimes late at night, the marathons. And with all of that, I still had only seen about half the episodes because they rerun the same ones over and over and over again. And I had never seen 
because I don't think they showed it, not where I grew up, Death's Head Revisited, mm. which is the concentration camp one, which is frankly more graphic and upsetting than then life is beautiful, which is whitewashed completely and like don't want to show anything too, too. it's more graphic than that, than the Academy Award winner. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the best and I never saw it. And I wasn't able to become a student of The Twilight Zone until I watched it over and over and on Netflix, which is maybe embarrassing to, to admit, but like literally for a year, I probably watched part of one almost every, every day. Sure. It was like a ritual and it, it it's a deep dive that yeah. you can't do in, with just television or unless you own it. Sure. One thing I wanted to ask you guys, um, if we still had a couple of minutes here, was um, uh, what would you say is a fan favorite or a classic that you just don't care for, maybe even dislike? And conversely, are there any that are considered to be not really very great episodes uh, by most fans that you particularly like? I'll, I'll just say quickly mine because I, you know what, fan favorites, I tend to be able to tap into what people like about them, you know what I mean? I don't think there's any that I, I think don't work for me. So I will say one that maybe just doesn't seem to be much of a part of the conversation that much. Um, I did an episode on the trade-ins recently and I just think it's such a lovely episode and you know it's never really mentioned in the same breath as your time enough at last or, or anything like that but it has so much going for it was it Joseph Schildkraut yeah the way he channeled his own pain at his wife's death into his performance and that respect that him and Sailing obviously had for each other, I think it's all there. So that's one that maybe isn't part of the conversation that I think it really should be. It's hard because I, I, I like them all in different ways and that, that makes it difficult to really That's what makes you a good it. admin on Facebook. <laughs> you care about everybody. <laughs> um, um, Kent and I were talking in the car on the way here um, that you know, trying to figure out which fan favorite we would sort of nitpick on and stuff. And I, I mean, I love Eye of the Beholder. I think it's a great episode. I just watching her in the bed with that mask or the, the covering on her face, to me, that doesn't look natural. I think that irks me. <laughs> That's probably one thing I would say about it. And then the fact that it's one actress here, but then there's another voice over. I think that that bothers me a little bit. It's not that I don't like the episode. It just, you know, if I had to say like one of the most popular ones, that 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 would probably be the only thing that stands out to me. Um, it's interesting that that's kind of like some. Uh, uh, your your concern is a bit more on a technical level, yeah. which on it's a not, much larger yeah. scale is what trips up a lot of people with the bewitching pool. Yeah. But like, I just can't get past the bad overdubs. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> you know? That is one of my sort of least favorite. And some episodes. people are like, I just love it anyway. So. But there are a lot of fans for the Bewitching Pool, and so that that's you know, I don't know. It's just it's it's hard to it's hard to to, it to pick something like that apart. So I wanted to make you squirm on stage. <laughs> yeah, of course you will. <laughs> I, I first of all, another person I got to meet was Arlen Schumer, who, who I see in the audience. Didn't mean to. Or I think I do, uh, doing the podcast. So that was good. Uh, I didn't mean to mean to uh, leave him out before. Um, look, To Serve Man is a great episode. 
but I can I only enjoyed it the first time I saw it because to me it's like a knock knock joke. If and you've heard it, I, I just I know what's coming. Also, find it weird that you can translate a whole you can translate a title, but you can't translate the book. That didn't I could never get over that. I'm also shocked to find I didn't know anyone liked Bewitching Pool and not just because of Rocky the Squirrel stuff. Uh, <laughs> but the the one that uh, I love I am the night color me black and no one talks about that and a lot of people say it's you know overly simplistic because they say well you know don't be mad at each other don't be mean or the sun will go out yes that's what it is in its overall theme but there's so many unanswered questions you have a man who is guilty mm -hmm. a man who faced a corrupt trial from a corrupt DA and a corrupt paper and a corrupt judge but is actually guilty of murder mm -hmm but he killed a Klansman. Mm -hmm. There's nothing subtle about where to find the morality in that. Then you have the Martin Luther King type character who preaches love, and we're all behind that, but yet he has to live in this town. And he turns to, to the town, which is ex seemingly exclusively white, except for him, even though we're told there are other people, black people in the town who were treated horribly by this Klansman. And he's okay, it's, he is, he's guilty. And the guy being hung says, oh, well, you got to get with the majority. Mm -hmm. It's like a fair, shocking criticism, like you're pandering to these racists who hate you. Mm -hmm. It's not tied up in a simple package, and I think that's why people don't like it, because they don't know what to think. But it would be insulting to the subject matter to be able to tie it up mm -hmm. in a simple package. So I, I love that one for its nuance. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 for me, it's funny, because one of the things you just said was that uh, you didn't like um, uh, to serve man. I like it. Uh, well, no, I'm not sure you didn't like it, but I meant because I meant, you said, oh, uh, you know, once you know the punchline, then that's it. And it's interesting because you were saying that some people feel that way about five characters, yeah, which I mean. didn't. But, but again, it just goes to show you that if you like something on a certain level, that sort of inoculates it in many ways. And um, I find for me, uh, I guess if I was going to say a fan favorite, I, I love time enough at last so much but the ending of it uh which obviously is the whole point uh, <laughs> uh still kills me uh and i've actually gotten into remember i mentioned earlier about having discussions with fans and uh, i've had a lot of people saying uh, oh actually it is fair he deserved that uh uh because he's such a misanthrope uh which which again without getting totally into it sidetracked here but i was like no he's not He's always trying to reach out to people. I wouldn't feel sorry for him if he was always trying to shut them out so that he could read, but he's always trying to involve everybody. So uh, so I, I would say that that qualifies on the first level for me. Uh, but there are a couple of others I wouldn't say that are... Um, I, I love, and Wayne's aware of this because we talked about it on his show, Perchance to Dream yeah. is one that I'm very, very uh, fond of. Uh, I, I like that episode a lot. And I, I don't find that people are like, I don't like it, but it tends to to be overlooked, I think, a lot. Uh, I love that nightmare kind of carnival atmosphere of it. Um, and uh, it, it just was, I think, an example of what Charles Beaumont uh, did so, so well. And so, uh, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun being able to do that. Uh, well, I didn't know if you guys wanted to make any other comments. I think, have, have we taken up our time? Or? Oh, please, please, I'm sorry. I'm not even opening the floor. Go right ahead. Take it. Uh, and probably a lot of, of the era of sci-fi and fantasy is, is what it predicted of the future. So like Black Leather Jackets has FaceTime. It basically has video chat. Uh, 
Ivy Colbert has nice flat screen TVs. <laughs> <laughs> Whipple, like Whipple, obviously spoke to the, the, the death of, of manufacturing jobs through automation. Uh, no, Grace and I were talking about number twelve uh, and the plastic surgeries like today. But you're, I mean, good list goes on and on. It goes on and on. Uh, but why is it? I guess the first question is why is it that none of these episodes, and, and not just Twilight, but really anything there, yeah, nobody predicted social media. Mm. The, the social media was just not on the radar to the writers. This isn't exactly uh, uh, answering quite what you said there, but it's funny. Some, some question, will, will social media still be as awful as it, as it is today in another 60 years? Will, 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 trolls, will trolls die off in 60 years? Well, we can certainly hope, but... Yeah. I get, I, I get emotionally rattled. Right. So I just don't do it at all. You I have to, I'm, missing out, I'm probably missing out on the group, but I just won't do it because I've got a soft core. Well, I can tell you that thanks to what Shelly does, you actually don't, it, it's, it's a very, very positive experience. Uh, I'm not just saying that to be nice to her, it really is. Uh, they, they keep things filtered out and. Um, work hard to, to make it a happy place. Yes. We, right. We want people to, to stay there and enjoy it and escape that everyday stuff. Like that's right. that's important to me as a Canadian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love all my American friends, but okay, enough already. You know, like, let's talk about what we're here to talk about. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. it's interesting. There's a there's a uh, a quote uh, that I've I've used before from the Mirror. It says, uh, "You have no friends now, only followers." And obviously, there was no prediction of social media, but still, it's interesting to read that in light of of the way things go. And there are a number of, epi of, of, of episodes, it's funny, even though it did not predict social media per se, I feel like the idea, and Wayne just alluded to it with the I Am The Night, of you better be on the right side. And, and isn't so much of what so makes social media such a uh, 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 fraught with anxiety is this whole pressure, pick a side, and it better be the right side, or you're gonna be very sorry. There you go. In many ways, it did. You know, you could you could have the same thing today. It probably the it, the virus would spread even quicker because they'd be they would be uh, you know, f uh, tweeting and facebooking and <laughs> facetiming each other. You know, so yeah, please. The uh, the first of all, I just want to say congratulations on finding something nice to say about black leather jackets. <laughs> that's the f I've never heard. Really? That's that's my last. That's, that's my second. That's my second to lowest. <laughs> Caesar and me, you like that one too? But see, this, this is what I'm talking about. Well, that's okay. The, it's okay. That's the various cases. But uh, as far as will there still be trolls, uh, I wrote uh, a trilogy of sci fi books called the Internet Apocalypse Trilogy. And so, what I would say to you is what I say in that book, which is the internet is people. So, yes, it's not the internet, it's humanity. Did you want to try that? No, no. Uh, any other questions? Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Dan. Uh, and I, I was really interested uh, when you all mentioned how you were kind of introduced to the Twilight Zone. Uh, for me, I, I, I kind of discovered it through kind of, you know, watching shows like The Simpsons with Family Guy. <laughs> you know, and I guess I was wondering, is that how a lot of younger people, you know, below the age of 30 have kind of discovered it, and how does that change the fandom? Can I chime in there for Please. a second? I have two daughters, one uh, 11 and one 9, and, you know, 
myself, you know, my mother introduced me to it. So now I've introduced my kids to it. I've introduced my nieces, my nephews to it. They come over, they want to watch. So I'm hoping to not drill it into them, but I mean, I, I want them to appreciate it the way that we do. So maybe that they'll pass it on to their families or somebody, a friend at school, any anybody. And actually, speaking of school, back when I was in high school, we had one teacher, an English teacher, who showed uh, miniature. And he asked the classroom, is there anybody who has watched Twilight Zone? Just me. Have you seen this episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was the only one and like I was just so thrilled that he was showing it in the classroom so I don't know how many of you all had that experience but yeah that's I bought I bought the VHS cassettes yep yep but from then on he was my favorite teacher <laughs> you know kindred spirit you know so yeah I, uh, I'm hoping that my children will appreciate it the way we do I hope you know Twitter, things like, you know, they'll learn about it and maybe be interested. And now the, the new series, maybe that'll pique their interest to see what came before, you know, like, I hope that's what happens, so. I, um, I probably can't answer that because unfortunately in England, no one discovers it by accident because it's just not on, um, which, is, which is a real shame because that's how I discovered it. And it's, it's so strange because like I'll be in work or in some social situation and someone will say man that thing that just happened was just like something out of the twilight zone and I, I keep my mouth shut for a moment and then I, <laughs> I kind of go uh, so do you ever watch the twilight zone and they look at me just like what are you talking about <laughs> so unfortunately I can't really answer that one it's such a bad expression too. It's mm. never said about anything that's even vaguely have any of the <laughs> yeah. characteristics. Right. No one ever says it on either a, kar a karmic situation or a redemptive situation. They just say it on <laughs> yeah. something but weird. I have yeah. I have a column set up on on in, in TweetDeck for just mentions of Twilight Zone, and I guarantee you that 85, 90 percent of them have nothing to do with the TV show at all. It's just people being like, man, did you see him sink that basket? That was like out of the Twilight Zone. Not really, not really. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, as far as how they'll be, you know, I guess the spoofs help if they, uh, you know, I, I like the fact that it creates some level of awareness, uh, but it probably also spoiled a lot of endings for people. I don't know. <laughs> Any other questions? Oh, I'm sorry, Shell. Believe ahead, it or not, we still have people who have not seen every episode and speaking of the spoilers I don't know how that's possible but yeah it, it still happens and we get oh spoiler alert you know, like we get these messages well I'm sorry it's 60 years old we assume you know we assume you know the ending or the twist or you've heard about it before and then of course um, the, the, the phrase you know oh from the Twilight Zone like there's a lot of TV shows there's a lot of references in movies and stuff like you don't realize how many there are until you actually pay attention like because I, I know oftentimes like I'll have so, like Three's Company just the other day there was a scene where Larry mentions that something something out of the Twilight Zone and I my kids and I looked at each other like <laughs> we just smile and then we take a picture and I post that in the group say oh we found it in this episode so yeah it, there's a lot of people doing that too so there, there's been so many references to it oh, yeah. so Mm -hmm. I mean, heck, The Simpsons has even done Night Gallery, for heaven's sake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know that uh, season four of the hour-long episodes, 
generally panned for the most part. Uh, I'm just wondering if you think it's because the format was just too long or was the script just not good? Uh, I have to admit, I think uh, that, uh, it, I think it was the format really was, is primarily to blame. If you really uh, look at the work that, uh, it's interesting because Charles Beaumont uh, contributed a bit more heavily uh, to that season. Um, and, uh, but all of them, if you really look at them, for the most part, they did quality work. One of the things that's unfortunate, it's funny because with the new zone, uh, they have very elastic times. Yeah. Uh, they can be as long or as short as they want. Boy, I wish Serling and the other writers had had that uh, because they always had to write to fill. And so sometimes a half hour can feel a little too rushed and an hour long can feel a bit padded. But you have two choices, 25 minutes or 50. So, um, but I think one of the things Buck Houghton uh, talked to, who was the producer of the first three seasons, said uh, it, something along the lines of, you know, you have to be pretty much walking on water by minute 50 to keep an audience, especially a show. I mean, it had the perfect structure. You know, it just, you know, weird premise. You got to know the characters. It built its universe very, very quickly. It gave you that twist. You can't come along with it. You can come along with a twist at minute 23. You can't come along with a twist at minute 48, or at least one that's going to have the same impact. So I, I personally, I think that that's really what did it. So, I mean, they were still doing some quality work then, but. All the new Twilight Zones, I don't know if you've seen them, but they, I think they all suffer from being too long. I think every single episode of the new Twilight Zones would be better if 10 minutes were cut out of it. Even the ones, yeah. I do love Blurry Man. I don't know if you guys saw that, the yeah. season finale. Uh, but everyone else, I think we'd be better 10 minutes shorter. Because yeah, I think that the shortest one was the Nightmare at 30,000 feet, and that was 37 minutes. All yeah. the others were, were at least as long, if not longer, than the hour-long episodes. So, yeah. I mean, it was Rod Serling's strength. I think that's his greatest gift was uh, implication just giving just enough and so you had to fill in all the missing information from just a few prompts and in that way it's sort of more like a, it made a on an unconscious level for me almost like a dreamlike quality even when it's a realistic story there's a dreamlike quality because you're always filling in the missing parts that you know are true but are nowhere really overtly stated yeah. no, no. okay great thanks any other, if we have time? Yes. Um, so when you think about the classic Twilight Zone format, you know, kind of the episode happens, and then Rod Sterling comes in at the end to give his own interpretation of it. Uh, well, one of the few episodes that he doesn't really take any stand on it, he leaves it open, pretty much 100% open to interpretation, is Come Wander With Me. You know, and uh, what's interesting about that episode is it wasn't the last episode aired, but it was the last one ever produced. So this was their last chance to make a classic episode of The Twilight Zone, and they made sort of like a really open to interpretation episode. So what's, what's your guys' take on that? Um, I, I think uh, one thing to keep in mind there is that uh, there was no uh, awareness that that would be the last episode produced for sure. And, and uh, you know, others have even said at the time, and they certainly didn't think that the bewitching pool would be the last one ever broadcast. Um, you know, you know, now we're so used to series, whatever they happen to be, comedy, drama, what have you, they, they, they're, they're canceled and then they have a chance to wrap up, you know, and, and give some sort of a, a conclusion to fans. And that's just not the way it was done then. It was like slicing meat at a deli. You know, and when it was time to stop giving, we just move on to the next thing. You know, television was very much a, 
a uh, you know mass market produced commodity, and here you had this thing of beauty uh, with great quality that was being produced you know, in that factory-like atmosphere, which is really amazing. Uh, so I don't think that it was open to interpretation by design. Um, so, if you guys have any. I, am, I can't comment. Yeah, that is. I, it always, it's the it best always, part. It always feels like it's going to be a better episode because of how good that song is. <laughs> and she's great. And she's not, she's like, she, she stopped acting shortly after that's that. That's right, yeah. yeah. And that's Bing Crosby's son, right? Yeah, right, right, Gary Crosby, yeah, who starred in it. <laughs> yeah. What? Who went on to do? <laughs> like, well, he was in Adam so, Twelve, of so course. Gary yeah. <laughs> uh, any other questions, or have we worn you out? No. Yes, sir. Um, first, just to toss this out here to show that it takes all kinds. Um, I would say that my two favorite episodes of the Twilight Zone are hour-long episodes. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, which, which, which one? Yes. Which two? Uh, yeah. Death Ship and uh, Thursday We Leave for Home. Ah, yes. Wow. Excellent. Like, which I think is the best. In my opinion, the best and worst of the hour laws. <laughs> which, 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 what do you think? Who, who thinks I think Death Strip is the best? Worst, that's what you think is the worst. That's right. Yeah. I, I, and I love, no, no, this is great. I, I, Shelly's so nice. This is not, this is much, much like Rod Serling, I'm a New York Jew, right? This is not, this is not fighting. This is how you get to know somebody. So, so yeah, no, Thursday We Leave From Home is amazing. It's one of the best. And can I tell you the amazing thing about that? What's the actor's name? Who's smarter than me? The James, main guy. James Whitmore. James Whitmore. Yeah. So he was also in Shawshank Redemption, right? Mm -hmm. In both, in both episodes, he plays a character who gets so used to being where he is, he'd rather die than leave it, even though it's a bad place. That is very specific typecasting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bizarre, yeah. Right? <laughs> but I don't like that trip. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That, the question is completely different, which is the new Twilight Zone series. Do you think that will influence people to watch the old series, or what effect do you think the new series is having? I, I certainly hope that it does. That was one of the reasons why uh, early on, uh, before it premiered, there were a lot of people who were commenting uh, whenever I would bring something up about it. And there was, opinions were very strong even before it aired, uh, pro and con. And uh, my feeling was, uh, my stance was one of cautious optimism. Uh, and I said, if nothing else, it will cause people, hopefully, to take a look. Uh, that's really what happened with the 80s in many ways. The, the, the movie, for all of its ups and downs and, and uh, warts and all, uh, did uh, uh, sort of reawaken interest in The Twilight Zone and led to there being a reboot. And I've had people talk to me who said, hey, I first saw the 80s Twilight Zone and then I went back and discovered the original and I've loved it all my life ever since. Um, I don't have any firsthand evidence of someone saying, hey, I saw the current reboot, and that led me to, to check out the old one, but I can't imagine that that isn't happening. Um, the same CBS All Access that airs the current Twilight Zone also airs all the episodes of the original, so I don't know. Oh, one thing I would ask before we go away, uh, uh, what, what may, just in a sentence or two, what, what, why do you like Death Ship? If, since Wayne doesn't like it, I'm just curious why you like it. Well, it's difficult to say, but it has to do with personalities, particularly the personality of the captain, mm -hmm. who is so strong-willed that he cannot accept what is going on, and he forces his crew to go along with him. So yeah. there's a mystery involved, first of all, and the mystery continues to confound. You first of all think that they're actually dead. Then you think you, you go along, you're forced along with the captain. Mm -hmm. So you go along with his views. 
these are not our bodies, this has to be a trick, so on. There's all sorts of indications along the way that he is wrong, but he still ultimately, through his force of will, commands them to go along with himself, so they're trapped eternally. And so it becomes like a Captain Queen situation or an Ahab situation, and I think it's brilliant. Yeah. It's interesting because uh, that was one of two episodes that Richard Matheson wrote that season. They aired one right after the other, and uh, Death Ship I like, although it, it is padded. Uh, but Mute, I have to admit, I really don't care for very like much. Yeah, that's right. This is he's he's my he's opposite man. Right, for me. I like you. But by the way, that that's the reason I don't like it. I agree with what you said, but Jack Klugman, who I love, and I love his other three episodes. He just comes. He in that episode. In that episode, he comes off as just this kind of like earnest everyman to me. That's how maybe it's my fault. That's how he comes across to me. And I think you need to come across as more of like almost unhinged, autocrat, dictatorial, to prove the point that you said the show is making. And I agree with you. But I just didn't see his performance as that. That's why I never got into it. Well, I do. I think his performance is just right for that. I don't think you need to see someone that is obviously forcing his views on him because he seems very persuasive at times. Yes. And that allows yeah. you to go along with him as well. Yeah, I did completely. You I think, thought the other guys were jerks the whole time. Do you think because we've already seen Clubman in, in uh, like Passion of the Trumpet that, that there's some, as a viewer, to, oh, that's, he's not that character, he's this character. I, I did. Maybe it's my I, my failing. My, my feeling is it, it wasn't so much having seen him in those other ones, but that Jack Klugman, who uh, I, I like very much. I mean, I, I everything, seriously, from 12 Angry Men, Twilight Zone, Odd couple. I love Quincy. I have all Quincy all on DVD. That's how true sure fan. I do. So help me God. Wait. Well, hey. To what we were talking about before. It's not like you can stream it anywhere. He can't play that kind of. You know. Anyway, that's my point. My point is that was all a way of saying, but he plays his strength is playing one type of character, which I love. <laughs> and in Death Ship is the one time he wasn't being a Jack Klugman character. Of the of the four of his four appearances on 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 Twilight Zone, Mer Burgess Meredith, on the other hand, is in four different episodes and plays four completely different characters mm -hmm. each time because Burgess Meredith is amazing. So, anyway, or was I should say yes. I thought I heard someone say an episode called Mute. I'm not familiar with that. It's one of the hour longs. Uh, yeah, season four, the fifth episode, and it uh, it stars a very young Angelian. Uh, um, and um, yeah, right. Oscar Bererke, who who from uh, yeah, uh, it involves telepathy. Basically, there's a child who has been raised uh, by almost kind of like a little secret society. Do you, does that ring a bell? Okay, yeah. She only communicates te telepathically, and of course, the teacher has to break her <laughs> so that she can experience the love, <laughs> the love of conformity, which is what. Twilight Zone was always teaching us, right? Uh, not so much. Yeah. Oh, no, it's just, yeah, let me get this guy and then, yeah. Oh, okay, I, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask um, if the, the first real book about the show, Scott Zerpree, Mark, um, had some very strong opinions on some episodes, and he was quite harsh on some. Um, and I was just thinking of one in particular that, like, he, I thought he destroyed and I loved was the hunt. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Arthur Honeycutt. Yeah. 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 That's true. That's true. I, I have, I, I actually 
I have such mixed feelings about the Twilight Zone Companion. I actually wrote a very lengthy <laughs> blog post about it one time because I had to point out the fact that Mark Scott Sacree deserves so many plaudits because he really was a trailblazer. Um, I, I said, imagine what it would be like in the late 70s. There's no internet. There's no streaming. If you're going to see Twilight Zone, it's probably going to be at 2 o'clock in the morning, a badly edited episode, which is something that Serling complained about quite a bit. Um, and along comes this book in 1982. Uh, and he interviewed, uh, because of his interviews, uh, he interviewed a lot of the producer, uh, the directors, uh, and a lot of the people who were involved in the show while they were still alive. Sadly, we don't have a lot of them now. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for him. And, when he's, and he's a very good writer, which isn't always the case. Sometimes people are very good at getting information together, but they don't do it stylishly. And Zakri does it stylishly. But the one thing that drives me nuts is that if he likes an episode, he will give you a lot of information about it. And if he doesn't, you're going to get two dismissive, curt sentences about it. I don't begrudge him that, but I feel like, well, don't they all deserve a little bit more than that? And he seems to dislike about two-thirds of them. So <laughs> I've never... I am the night color me black, too. Right, and yeah. I don't even think his description is accurate of it. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So... I, I love The Hunt. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I only like The Hunt, and I feel like I've never met anyone who liked it less than I did. And I like it, but I feel like everyone loves it. It's, it's, it in the group, it was huge. Mm -hmm. Yep, lots of lots of fans. I mean, how often do you get a good feel-good episode with, with a dog? Yeah. <laughs> one of the first ones I ever saw. It's yeah, definitely. People just melt. They just melt over that. They love it. It is. It's good. I, I get a kick out of the old man and old woman. Yeah. They, how they talk to each other. The banter between the two of them is right. very very cute. I'm afraid, according to Sakree, that was very badly acted. Wooden. <laughs> Arthur Arthur Honey. Arthur, Arthur Honey. Yeah. Grandfather, the grandmother spoke that way. Right. Yeah, and that was the first of eight scripts that he contributed to the Twilight Zone, and he said that that was his favorite. So. Uh, of his, yeah. Of his, of his, yeah. Of his, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Um, what do you think? Uh, how would Rod Serling have felt about social media? His liberation. Yeah. Well, how would Rod Serling have I think we probably have our answer looking at episodes like the, the monsters are due on Maple Street. Um, I, I, I think uh, almost any, I would say that almost any episode that depicts uh, uh, the shelter, um, uh, a lot of the, any of the episodes that depict, uh, you know, a mob, you know, the, the mirror, you know, the one with Peter Falk playing the dictator. Uh, I feel like there are characteristics of social media that we see in all of those. There's kind of a herd mentality and uh, the loudest voices uh, you know, I mean, Rod Serling, uh, one of the most uh, uh, constant themes with him was, was sticking up for the little guy. And I think that a lot of social media quashes uh, anybody who does not have a loud, uh, angry voice. It's, it's very difficult. Um, and um, so I, I, I would love to see his take, but I think in a way we have it. So I, I agree with all that, but I also think I don't know. None of us do. Um, I think he'd be on it, and I think he'd be tweeting a lot, because I think also he was a ham in many ways and liked to be uh, seen and heard and liked to play. And I think you can do all those things on social media. So I think 
Okay. Yeah, I, well, especially he could because he'd instantly have a million followers in a day and then he could say what he wants to them and I'm sure there'd be everything from pictures of dogs to dumb jokes to political oh, statements. That's right, that's right, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and here I am, I'm saying all this negative stuff. Of course, I have a very positive view of social media as well and I'm usually telling people it's like, you know, they're like, oh, Twitter, that's a toxic waste dump. And I was like, yes, but there's good little corners like my page. You really should go. <laughs> so there is a good aspect to it. Anybody else? Uh, in the oh, I'm sorry. Yes, go ahead, sir. You mean remake in the sense of film the same stories over again? I don't know, man. Could I, I think because even the fact that they made this new show before anyone had even seen a frame of it there was so many people saying they shouldn't be doing this and and I yeah, think if if that was announced man the I think the world would be <laughs> the world would end with with the backlash from it so um, you know it, it'd be interesting it, it's not something I I would personally need to see but yeah and no one liked the movie in 82 mm. <laughs> no one yeah. wanted to see those redone everyone's favorite yeah. part is the stuff that's not a remake Dan, Dan Aykroyd and Albert Brooks in the car is right. everyone's favorite part of the movie which is not <laughs> remake yeah it, it, I, I have to admit it it was it was a of its time and place I don't think that it could possibly have uh come about at any other time and from any other mind uh, than that of Rod and the people that he who worked with him so so I, well they, they did uh, finally make them available in black and white you know. uh, so I, you can watch and see for yourself yeah Roger Paul, the, uh, your latest blog talking about the difference between the new series and the old series and so forth talking about the characteristics of the writing you know, the production values, of course, are just out of this world. The amount of money they've invested in the production is just incredible. Right. But the writing, basically, how it compares, and the thematic elements and so forth. Do you want to talk a little bit about your thoughts on that? Uh, just uh, the, the, the main thing that I said in, in the piece was just uh, that I feel like one of the problems with it is that there's, there's, we, we develop certain conventional wisdoms about certain things. Uh, I gave the example uh, in the piece about, I said, you know, I, I asked people, how many times did Rod Serling say submitted for your approval? And, you know, and the answer is three, which surprises a lot of people because it's such a signature phrase. Uh, over 156 episodes, he said it three times. Uh, if you want to count uh, one of your favorites, To Serve Man, he did say submitted for your perusal. Uh, I'm not <laughs> counting that one, so. I don't, I don't dislike to serve man no you it's hate classic. it i just i just don't watch it if you like to serve man he's your enemy he hates it that's right um but uh but bring that up to, to say how uh how something can kind of become accepted conventional wisdom and one thing there's no question about it i mean rod serling believes strongly that a writer should have a point of view and express that point of view and 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 uh we're all better for the fact that he did um but if you actually watch twilight zone it was not relentlessly message episode after message episode after message episode uh it, there was a, a great variety uh i feel uh in the show if you take a look it was not uh death's head revisited every week and i say that as a huge fan of it it would be, it would be a bit fatiguing to do that so my only uh the, my main criticism that roger was bringing up in the, in that post was just to say that 
I'd like to see something that is a mo attempting to be a modern day Twilight Zone try to vary up the tone a little bit um, if you really want to I, be a Twilight Zone, you know. Uh, if otherwise, you might as well do what Black Mirror did. Call yourself something else and then you can do whatever you want, you know. So that was just my feeling. I just thought that it, it that, that going forward, I hope they mix it up a little bit uh, and uh, just, uh, you know, get, get some of the other elements in there. You know, looking out for the little guy. Um, uh, they're, they're, you don't have the same kind of character vignettes. It seems like there's a message in their characters that are put in service of it. I never got that feeling with the original Twilight Zone. So anyway. Basically, you know, a lot of people had judged the new series before it even began. And I mean, as a diehard classic fan, I mean, I, I was like you, you know, optimistic. I, I thought, oh, well, I'll give it a chance, you know, but I tried to encourage people to give it a chance because we didn't know where it was going to go. We didn't know what it was going to be like. I like that they involved a lot of little tiny little uh, Easter eggs, like things to watch for. And, and there were a lot of things that I missed that I saw other people would post about like on Twitter or whatever. And you look back, oh yeah, okay, okay, that's cool. So I, I like that they sort of integrated the old with the new. I don't think it should be redone though. Like your question was before, I think it's been done. If you wanna create new shows, that's wonderful, but try to keep it more like the original, I think, I think that'll please more of the fans of the original, but it's they're trying to do their own thing, and I think imitation is the highest form of flattery, and that's why there's been three reboots, and maybe there'll be a fourth. It's hard to say, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I hope not, ma'am, because it, it was rough covering that show, honestly. You know, the, it, it, it just seemed to come from all sides while it was on. So if the, all those hot button topics, um, yeah. He really stopped, and Tom, and for those who watch him, I mean, he stopped covering uh, original mm -hmm. Twilight Zone episodes to week by week cover the new one, because it was coming out once a week. Yeah, and, and the difference in the energy coming towards the show was huge, because we're shielded from, you know, by 60 years, I think people view the original show as safe now because of the time that's passed, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was at all. So to have a, a, sh a show coming out, and, and I think you're right, they need to mix it up a bit going forward, but I don't think um, the original show was a safe show at the time, and, and this isn't a safe show either. Um, but the energy that came towards... The, sh the, the show while I was covering it, it was it was quite a stressful experience. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's not. I certainly don't think it should be. Uh, you know, it, it certainly wasn't safe. You know, like I said, and 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 uh, you know, I, I like the ones that go after it hard, but I just yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. just, sure. Uh, I like two episodes of the new uh, season. I, I like the first one, the the comedian one, and I loved Blurry Man, which was the last one. They're both written by Alex Rubens. And uh, I'm not just saying that because he did my podcast, uh, but I had given up on the show. I wasn't going to watch the second season, but I thought the, the season finale was so good. I know I guess I differ here that I will watch uh, season two. Did you also? I thought Blurry Man was uh, a 10. Uh, like, I talked to who said how they like six degrees of freedom so much. Was it you? It was not me. Okay. <laughs> that was the go to Mars. That was, it was okay. That was okay. That's okay. third place for me. All right. 
No, sorry, fourth place for me. Heather Ann Campbell, she also did my show, but I, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that. I just put it in the fourth place. <laughs> the, uh, the new series, I have only watched five of the ten episodes, so I haven't seen Blurry Man, but I heard a lot about it. It's already kind of been spoiled for me, and that's okay. I don't mind that. Yeah, but uh, I don't know what... The, oh, I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> I just totally lost my track of thought. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Carry on. If it comes to me, I'll come back and say it again. Tom, I was just wondering, uh, with the fourth season coming up and you're going to be covering on podcasts, are you blocking out like three hours? For <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> the thing is, um, it's so long since I've seen them, I can't remember them, and, and the general consensus seems to be they're a bit long, and I don't want to be coming to every podcast going, well, it was okay, but it was a bit long, you know, so I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I'm going to try and keep it nice and concise. Sorry, I remember now what I was going to say. <laughs> Sorry. No, it was more about how, you know, um, everybody had opinions, and, like, I tried to... to not let it take over our group they had so much to say about it like i said before it started so i tried to not not take it away from anybody but if you were saying something and three other people posted it i only posted it once and then we geared it towards one specific chat i think that was important it kept everybody talking about it on that chat and it didn't take over our wall because it had a tendency to do that and it actually caused a lot of arguments because this, these people, they really wanted it. These people hated it, didn't want it to happen. So, you know, there's no real middle ground, but I'm, I'm glad that now that people have seen it, they're sort of, oh, okay, all right, we'll see. And then the other thing was uh, the first episode, you said you really enjoyed the comedian. I give that a B plus. I give that an A+. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I didn't like the vulgarity in it only because I wanted my children to watch it. And that really limited me. I cannot let them watch that one in particular. The other one, okay, well, maybe there's an odd F-bomb, okay, they've heard it before. I'm sure they'll be okay with it. But the first one, it went a little far for me. And I was so disappointed. I, I was so excited for the kids to watch with me. and. It just took all the wind out of my sails, and I, I hope that maybe season two they'll maybe steer away from that a little bit, and maybe my kids will be able to enjoy it. Anything else, or have we totally worn out our welcome here? Okay, I think I think we're. <laughs> I think we have. Yeah, all right. Join me in part two for the Twilight Zone podcast live and more clips and memories from Sailing Fest 2019.